0: Welcome back to episode 64 of Sporting Max. This episode is brought to you by The Missing Link, connecting you and your business with the biggest stars in the world through events and experiences. Please welcome number 64. He holds the record for the longest shot in NBL history, the full court shot. Former Melbourne Tiger and he's currently the managing director of Chase Basketball. I'm pretty sure it's in Albert Park. Nigel Purchase. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Sporting Max. Today, we're joined by former Melbourne Tiger, former Brisbane Bullet, and the owner of the NBL's uh, possibly the greatest shot in history, the full court shot, Nigel Purchase. Welcome to the podcast, Nigel. Uh, it's an honor and a privilege to have you on. How are you going at moment?
1: I'm
2: very good, actually. Been through a difficult 18 months, um, okay. and uh, there's light at the end of the tunnel down here in Melbourne. So we're very excited about reopening our business, which is coaching kids. And we, yeah. um, we love what we do. So it's an exciting time, but been a difficult uh, period.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, Nigel, thanks for coming on the podcast. I mean, for the people out there, uh, we first met uh, at the Andrew Parkinson Golf Day. And, uh, it's my belief and understanding that you were the one who uh, came up with this idea and had an integral part um, in making the day happen. Can you talk us through uh, how this exactly came about?
2: Uh, I can. Um, and Andrew Parkinson has been, um, I wouldn't say a real close friend, but he's a friend yeah. through the basketball community. Um, mm. And uh, I'm a proud member of the basketball community and have been for uh, about 40 years now. Yeah. Actually a, lot <laughs> long, a lot longer than you've been alive. And uh, I really feel privileged to be part of the basketball community. And I think that Um, when someone's going through a difficult time I think it is incumbent on you know people like myself and anyone Mm. who's able to help to um, to to actually assist and um, it's well documented that Andrew Parkinson's been going through some health challenges for the past Mm. few years and I sent him a message Mm. and said let's do a a golf day because I like my golf yeah (laughs) um, it turned into a it turned into a golf day and a sportsman's day. And we um, we raised $70,000 for him. Yeah. Um, so it was a really, really good day. And uh, one of the good outcomes or byproducts of the day was I got to meet you. I saw you uh, <laughs> on the hole that Andrew Gaze was hitting the, some balls. And yeah. Uh, yeah, very, very impressed with you, Max. So uh, looking forward to seeing where your career takes you.
0: Uh, thanks, Nigel. We actually just um had recently uh, Drury on the podcast, which was amazing to finally uh get him on. But yeah. he's not he's not a bad chipper. I think that day he was on the chipping green, not the chipping green. Sorry, but it was probably a ninety hundred meter hole, and he just did it with a fair bit of ease, eh?
2: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> he would love to hear that. So he and yeah. I have been playing golf <laughs> against each other for a long time. Yeah, we um it's a nice healthy, uh, it's a nice healthy sort of. Um, comrade uh, camaraderie yep. over there. So uh, he, he would love to hear that you like yeah. the way he plays golf.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, what was it like to take the court with Parky? I mean, I've heard a couple of stories from obviously Ray Gordon, but what was it like for you um, also as a Melbourne Tiger to take the court with him?
2: Yeah, it was great. Um, Do you mean take the court with Andrew or?
0: Yeah, with Parky, yeah.
2: Or with. Yeah, uh, well, Parky was... Parking was against, was against us, and there was that incident, that yeah. infamous incident between himself and, and Ray Gordon. Yeah. And, the ironic <laughs> and the nice part of that day, Matt, was that Ray was um, the biggest contributor, um, you know, from a financial sense to mm-hmm. Andrew's um, Andrew's day. Yes. And so I think there was a yeah. fair bit of healing going on, you know, because yeah. when, when incidents happen through your life, you know, you can carry that uh, for a long time. And also the entire Melbourne Tigers crew um, yeah. and the, the Magic guys, uh, we really bonded. And I yeah. think that was just a real nice um, outcome from, from the day.
0: Yeah. Um, can you take me through, um, obviously, sort of your background and what your childhood was like growing up for you?
2: Yeah, now, I think I grew up not far from where you grew up. Are you out in the northern suburbs or northeastern suburbs of Melbourne somewhere?
0: Um, no, I'm out in Geelong.
2: Oh, you're in Geelong, are you? Yeah, Geelong, yeah. <laughs> in, around Alton because yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, so because the Feeney, I thought because Feeney's out there. Anyway, that's my yeah. <laughs> mistake. So I grew up around, uh, around Diamond Valley. Yep. And um, my life has been, I've been very blessed to be involved in basketball uh, because mm-hmm. it's led to so many good things mm-hmm. in my life, um, mm-hmm. you know, and they, and they include, you know, my best friends are still from my basketball playing days. Yeah. I met my wife met my wife through basketball. Mm-hmm. Uh, all of my kids played basketball and that's kept us yeah. together. And <clears throat> currently Jack is, um, is with the Perth Wildcats. Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, I work in. I've got a basketball business, and mm-hmm. and it's really given me. You know, I, I was an okay player, but it's given me an identity. It's taken me mm-hmm. around the world, and it's just given me so many things that um, that I would not have gotten if uh, I didn't play sport, and in this case, basketball. Mm-hmm. So um, I grew up around Green Hills, and you know, was an okay junior player, and um, and then. Um, in a slightly doors moment, decided to go from the Eltham Wildcats yeah. uh, to the Melbourne Tigers. Mm-hmm. And then um, I was, well, my, my dad and I arrived to, uh, to, take, to, to go to, go to our, my first game in under-16s, mm-hmm.
1: um,
2: and we were asked to pick up a kid from Albert Park uh, Basketball Stadium and yeah. take, <coughs> take him down to Chelsea. So we arrived and we picked up this tall, skinny kid and it was um, Andrew Gaze, and, <laughs> and then um, and then all the way down to Chelsea. He talked about his dad, and at, at that point, I sort of realised mm-hmm. you know how much he respects and admires his dad. Yeah, um, that and that's been a theme all the way through um, you yeah. know, my 40s of knowing him. Yeah. and so you know he went on to become this great great player, and uh, uh, you know I was fortunate to play alongside of him and. As it worked out, I was a very good passer. Mm-hmm. He was a very good scorer, so um, I used to throw the ball to him an awful lot. And, mm-hmm. and um, he was a superstar on the court. But uh, probably the thing I like and you may have found this in your podcast with Andrew, is yeah. he's, a, um, he's a better he's a better person than he is a basketball player. So, yeah, um, very fortunate to know him and to. Um, spent a lot of time with him over the years, and also beat him at golf. <laughs> so,
0: um, so it was it was the purchase and gaze combo before the uh, Kirkland gaze combo came along.
2: Yeah, that's that. That would be that'd be a nice thing to say. We had a very <laughs> our first seven or eight years in the NBL. We weren't such a great team. Yeah. So, um, you know, we didn't really win many, many a lot of games, and. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, we had this little thing going where, and I don't know, do you play basketball, Max? Yeah,
1: yeah.
2: Uh, so we had we had a thing that the Melbourne Tigers um, are famous for, which was the Melbourne Shuffle. Which yeah, is an offensive Shuffle,
1: yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. And, um, and so we, we, we played that, well, I, Andrew and I, and most of the guys in the team ran it very well. And Lindsay was the coach. And yeah. um, like I said, I could pass well. Andrew was extraordinarily good at every facet of the game, and um, and so yeah, we had a couple of years where we were pretty good together. And mm-hmm. then you know, and then sport evolves, and Warwick Giddy came along, and, yeah. <laughs> and um, all these other players came. Mm-hmm. And then you sort of move in and move out, and you know, Warwick's mm-hmm. still a friend of mine as well, and it's great mm-hmm. to see his son Josh doing so.
0: Yeah. Um, junior basketball. Um, can you elaborate on what kind of player um you were as a kid, and if it is different to the type of player you sort of were um towards the end of your career?
2: Well, that's a good question. Yeah, I like you. You're very good, Max. You're going to be you're go a long <laughs> way in this media thing. Um, so when I was a when I was um a kid, I was um I was reasonably quick and long. Um, and
1: yeah,
2: was. Good at passing and getting to getting to the ring, uh, getting to the basket. Uh, I was never really a great perimeter shooter. Uh, yeah. so I didn't need to get need to shoot from distance. So, um, and then I was playing at Diamond Valley, then Altham, and then mm-hmm. went over to Melbourne. And um, and 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 the shuffles are very system, very much system based yeah. uh, offensive structure. So I was a good passer. And I just mm-hmm. happened to fit into. Um, you know what Lindsay and the Gazers and the and the Tigers needed in mm. that position. So I kind of, you know, once again I've been very fortunate to be in the right place at the right time.
0: Yeah. And, um
2: and yeah, I was I was never a I was never a you know 30 points a game type guy. I, I did score more than 30 in a few games mm. in the NBL, but I was, you know, I think I finished fourth in the league assist one year. Um yeah. and you know, but I was I was more a role player, um, yeah. and um, very, like I said, very fortunate to play the, the number of games that I did. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, you mentioned the Melbourne Shuffle before. How did Lindsay sort of rally the troops, um, for the shuffle play?
2: Well, a lot of it. Uh, so it goes back in time, Max. And um, yeah. there, there was a guy called Ken Watson, and Ken Watson and Lindsay yeah. were the pioneers of Australian basketball, and yeah. certainly story in basketball, and they were they were trying to figure out how to how to play the game. And Ken mm-hmm. actually went over to Auburn, which is in Alabama, mm-hmm. and um, and went and had a look at what they did, and brought this this system back. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's still run today. That's still run. Yeah. The Tigers came out in 1931, and the Tigers still run uh, the shuffle today. So mm-hmm. it's um it's a system based thing. It's a lot about mem. A lot of it's just about memory, yeah. uh, and knowing where to go and what to do. The criticism of it is that people become like robots. Yeah. <laughs> um, the essence is, the essence is that, um, of it is that um, players that, or teams that don't have the same sort of physical talent can mm-hmm. compete with teams that are a bit more physically uh, capable. Yeah. And so I think that's quite true. So it's very team-orientated, um, and Lindsay was the master of it. And actually, mm-hmm. Ed was the, the absolute master of it. So, <laughs> um, yeah, so it was fantastic. I loved it.
0: Um, do you remember your NBL debut um, as a kid for the Melbourne Tigers? I think you might have been around 17. And what emotions or excitement did you have going into this game? I think you scored, might have scored um, 10 or so points in your debut. <laughs> yeah,
2: well, it was. It took a long time for the Tigers to actually get into the NBL. And yeah. uh, I do remember the first game. I, well, I might be wrong. I think it might have been against Brisbane. But, yeah. um, um, and in that game, there was a guy called Leroy Loggins that we were playing against.
1: Yeah.
2: Leroy is probably one of the top five players to ever play in the NBL. Um, yeah. And, um, and so he was just fantastic to play against. Um, mm-hmm. But we were all a bit nervous. I'm, I'm sure we uh, tried our guts out. And um, it wasn't quite the fairy tale of winning the first game uh, in the league,
1: mm-hmm.
2: um, and that it, it, it without the old Albert Park Stadium, so it wasn't such a grandiose type stadium that you might yeah. see in the NBL these days. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was fantastic. It was just great being involved in the in the league. And I think right now, when you look back on it, you know, from a from my age of 56 now, mm-hmm. you sort of look back at it very fondly and think, mm-hmm. what a great time of uh, with my life and once again I just say I'm very very fortunate. Yeah.
0: Um you mentioned first and Leroy, uh, Leroy Loggins there. Um we've recently had Derek Rucker um on the podcast and he's mentioned that um you know most people say brass cotton's um you know the best import of all time that Australia's ever seen. Um Derek seems Derek thinks that uh, Leroy Loggins is the greatest ever import. Um, to play the game in the NBL.
2: Do you agree with him? Well, they were I, I, I'm most, my most recent memories are of Bryce. Yeah. Uh, um, and what I, I think Bryce is um, probably, uh, it's very hard to, to compare players to players of different eras.
1: Yeah.
2: Uh, Leroy was absolutely phenomenal. And I, I remember one game I played against him. Uh, it wasn't the first game in the league, but it was several years later. And he um, and I was guarding him, and we had a like a twelve point lead at three quarter time. Yeah. And he has this little, he has his jump shot uh, max, and he leans back a little bit. And so <laughs> yeah. you might think you're in a good deep position, and then he leans back and makes this shot. And yeah. he's just I think he had 17 points in the last oh. quarter, and so for me personally, Leroy was phenomenal to play against. But um, I think Bryce right now, having won, I think three. Uh, MVPs. Um, yeah, I think he's won three uh,
0: or so MVPs. Yeah,
2: and then he also seems to be—he seems to be the best uh, crunch time player that I've seen yeah. in the league. That, <laughs> that I would say, right towards the end of the game, if you put the ball in his hands, he's going to uh, step up and knock it down for you. So, yeah, so I'll say they're both—I'll say they're both number one. Yeah. I would say that um, Bryce is the best uh, closer uh, <laughs> that I've ever seen in the NFL.
0: Um, throughout a few years at the Tigers, like you mentioned, um, sort of at, in the first years of the Tigers, um, in the NBL, you guys went through a, a tough period of time where from '84 until I think it was '88. You came close um to the finals, but just couldn't reach the finals. I think you might have been 12 and 13 and fifth place. What was it that time like for you, where the team's going through a time where collectively, you know, they're struggling a bit?
2: Um. Well, it was. It was. The, the beauty of all that was um, that I was playing and traveling around the country, and we'd go overseas and play in America every second year or every year. Yeah. And I just, I just love the, uh, I love the camaraderie of it, and mm-hmm. I really loved just being with my mates every weekend.
1: Yeah. And
2: um, and fact, three or four times a week, you know, in training. Mm. And uh, of course, you want to make finals, but we were a, we were probably a, we were very much a low budget team. Yeah. So, the Tigers have a junior program, and the theory of the Tigers is that you can play there, you can play there and start as a junior, and then you can eventually play in the highest uh, league yeah. in the country. So, um, so, th- so that we didn't get a lot of imports, so and we didn't get a lot of help there from mm-hmm. uh, high paid players. Uh, and then it kind of turned when um, Dave Simmons came in and, and mm-hmm. Dave polled it and then it, we sort of went from being Close to making the finals, to making finals, yeah, and eventually, eventually winning it.
0: Um. So moving into the 1989 and 1990 NBA seasons, you know, these two years were better than the previous years. Now making the elimination finals, um, unfortunately losing. But when you look back, I mean, rising up the ladder from in 1998 at 12th place up to fourth place in 89 and 90. How do you reflect on those two seasons where everyone's playing their part um instrumentally and the team's rising up the ranks?
2: Well, it was it was fantastic because we had been we had been a team that never really made the finals, and then all of a sudden, um, in the Halcyon days, they were the, certainly uh, a lot of the people of my age, Max, look back on those years and think they were the best years of the NBL. Yeah. And it went through went through this amazing period where all the stands were full and uh, for every game, and it was just it was incredible, and it was almost like um, it was almost like it was unbelievable to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> um, so when we had a couple of good series against uh, Sydney, and um, and then um, yeah, but we, it was exciting, very exciting, and the, the atmosphere mm-hmm. around those games, being able to be on court, be involved, was one of it was certainly the highlight of my career. So mm-hmm. it's great.
0: What's uh, it like? Um, what was, you know, the biggest move or impact on the group to, you know, get you from one season at 12th place to fourth place and making the Elimination Finals?
1: If froze
2: would be there. Can you just repeat the last bit of the sentence then, um, Max?
0: Oh, yeah. So what do you think the biggest impact was um, moving from the 88 season to the 89 season on the group and the team which, you know, boosted them from 12th place um, to 4th place in making the elimination finals?
1: Okay,
2: good question. So it was, there's a couple of things. One, we, um, guys like Andrew and Ray and myself and a few other yeah. guys, Ian Rouse, we was kind of just, we were pretty young, you know, we were 17, <laughs> 18, so we weren't really men at that age. So <laughs> we, uh, at that phase, we were, we were men and we could play as men um, yeah. in men's league. Uh, so that was one factor, but also uh, we we got some sponsors, and um, the sponsors meant that we could then get some impact um, Americans to come out here. Yeah, and that just added to the entire blend of the of the. And so I would say they would be the two biggest um, two biggest factors.
0: Um, now I want to get into the 1992 NBL Grand Final series. Yourself and the Tigers I experienced heartache against the cross-town rivals in the Southeast Melbourne Magic. Um, are you able to guide me through this series from your experience um, and your perspective at the Tigers?
2: Yeah, well, it was once again getting to the grand final was a new experience. I mean, um, mm-hmm. from my point of view in the juniors, we'd had a great junior team and we went yeah. one grand final after grand final. It was kind of Exciting, and it was, a, yeah. that was a good experience in itself, but it was a lot different than being in a three game grand final series mm-hmm. against, um, you know, a fantastic team like the Magic, yeah. And, um, I, I think we won the first game and then lost, uh, lost the next two, mm-hmm. and uh, I just knew how to handle it, but, um, what it did, it set the basis for going and winning it. In 1993, unfortunately, I wasn't there in 1993. Yeah. I went to I went to the Brisbane Bullets, but uh, so my time was being marginalised. And, mm-hmm. um, and I like to, if, if you're going to play sport, you want to make sure you can get on the court.
1: Yeah. Uh,
2: so I spent I spent the year up in Brisbane, and the Tigers went on and won. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think Mark Brackey came in uh, in '93 also. So he was mm-hmm. probably the number one, you know, the missing link. Taking the team from being a, um, you know, a grand final performer to a grand final winner.
0: Yeah. So you mentioned joining the Brisbane Bullets there at the end of that 99 heartache. heartache. Um, how did you find your time at the Bullets and how does that experience or culture at Brisbane compare um, to your time or experience um, at the Tigers?
2: Uh, well, the Tigers were very... Uh, how do I put this? Play very amateurish in that, yeah. um, in that, uh, yeah, we played in front of big stadiums, big crowds, in big stadiums, mm-hmm. uh, but there wasn't a great deal around the team in, in them. So, what, uh, so what I experienced in Brisbane was they had weight coaches, they had gym sessions, they had, yeah. they were just a completely professional club, um, mm-hmm. which, which is kind of good, but I actually also loved the way the, t- the way the Tigers conducted their business as well you know mm. I was very yeah it was almost very family oriented. felt like mm. you were at home almost the Tigers.
1: Yeah.
2: <laughs> so, um, the Tigers through, but they were a big the, the Bullers were a big budget team uh, mm. I became really good friends with Shane Hill mm. at the time and yeah. also Shane Froling uh, who were both Melbourne boys and Leroy Loggins and mm-hmm. Dave Colbert was up there also. But I really enjoyed it. I had, I had a few ankle injuries during the year and, um, you know, I enjoyed it, but I didn't, from a basketball point of view, didn't really make a massive impact. Mm-hmm. But I gained some really good friends, got to live in Brisbane for the year and my wife, Simone, um, you know, came with me. And mm-hmm. so it was a great experience. A bit sad for missing out on the final, but uh, yeah. with the Tigers, but that's the way it goes. And um, I counter that by saying I made some really good friends up in mm-hmm. Brisbane. And had a great experience. Uh, for me, it's about you know doing things. It's a, it's all about life experience.
0: Mm-hmm. So, what's Shane Hill like to know and be around?
2: What? Sorry, say it again.
0: What is Shane Hill like to know and be around?
2: Well, he's he is a um, he is a, a very uh, was a very funny um, mm-hmm. and very aggressive young yeah. man. <laughs> and, uh, for a guy who's you know maybe six foot one, six foot two, perhaps mm-hmm. uh, playing in a in a sport that's dominated by tall people,
1: what yeah. he did
2: in going to I think four Olympics and making the NBA and, and his shooting was yeah. testing his attitude, um, and um, so I, I'm a big fan of him on what he did on the on the court, mm-hmm. and um, he was he actually played above himself so often that. Um, I think it was testament to his self-belief and attitude.
0: Yeah. Um, So after that sort of one season at the Bullets, I believe you left the NBL um, with 250 games under your belt with career highs of 38 points, 13 boards, 16 assists and five steals. Done me research there. (laughs) How do you look back over your time um, in the NBL and did you make that decision to retire or kind of get pushed out?
2: Um, well, I think maybe it was a little bit of both. So once again, you know, you want to, if you, if you're going to compete, if you're going to, if you're an athlete, you want to actually be on the court and, Mm -hmm. um, basketball, you know, there's generally five or six or seven guys that sit there and and watch. So I really didn't enjoy that, that part of it. Mm -hmm. Um, so I got to a point where I was thinking, you know, I might've been getting, you know, 10 to 12 minutes a game. Is this what I want to do? Is this what my whole life's focus and, um, I didn't have a career at that point, so I decided to, to um, stop playing. I think I was maybe yeah. 28 or 29, and then, um, and then started working. And mm. then, you know, I'm just really blessed to still be involved in the game. So yeah. you know, I think it was the right decision for me, mm-hmm. and um, I'm happy I made that decision.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, now, Nigel, like I mentioned, I'm at the start of the podcast uh NBL, one of the greatest shots of all time, I believe, anyway, because I've seen the clip and replayed it over and over multiple times. Um, I'm unsure of what season it was in, but um, I saw the clip of you receiving the ball um, off and inbound and just it was like a little hook shot over your shoulder um, from a full court and it went in off the backboard. I mean, that's incredible. Can you take me through um, that shot and what was going on inside your mind? Uh,
2: what was... Well, one thing that I was good at as we talked about, Max, I was actually a good passer. Yeah. And so quite often through the state league games and the NBL, Andrew would take off and I'd be able to throw the ball to him. And I used to bowl it to him. Yeah. And we were quite good at that. And so I was kind of used to throwing the ball, you know, the most distance of the court or the length yeah. of the court. And um, but anyway, so I think Stephen Whitehead inbound the ball to me. And then I thought we've got nothing to lose, just throw the ball, see if it can go in. It was the end of yeah. the third quarter. So I hoiked it up there and then uh, it went in. So um, it's arguably the longest shot in the history of the NBL. Yeah. There would be I think I was only a couple of meters inside the baseline down the other end. And yeah, it was quite a funny from that from that game, no one really knows, remembers who won or lost. Yeah. Most people remember the shot.
0: The shot, so, yeah.
2: Yeah, it's interesting.
0: Um, post-career, now you've coached, I think you've coached Melbourne Tigers um, Victorian, in the Victorian Junior Basketball League for over 20 years. How did you find the move um, from playing into coaching?
2: Well, it's very different. Um, mm-hmm. And the, the, the commonality is you, you love the game, love it whether you're playing or whether you're coaching or whether you're a spectator or working yeah. in administration or whatever. So. Uh, for me, I just love, I think basketball is the best game in the world. Yeah. And I say that not just from a spectator's point of view, but I think that, um, and I've hosted a lot of events over time, Max, and mm-hmm. I'm sure you'll be hosting events today. But <laughs> my mantra of those events is that I think basketball makes good people. Yeah. Um, so and I stand by that. And I think that the coaching of kids, whether it's with the Melbourne Tigers, or mm-hmm. in my business with chase uh mm-hmm. about having a positive impact on kids mm-hmm. and uh, that to me is the most enjoyable thing i get out of my day-to-day activities
0: uh like you just mentioned working with chase um i believe you're the current managing director how did that um opportunity arise for you but
2: well, it's a it's a pretty good story actually max so i mm-hmm. um when I was when I was playing for the Melbourne Tigers, and I used to go to Green Hills Primary School, which is out not far from Diamond Valley. Yeah. Which is what I did, but you're down in Geelong. <laughs> <laughs> and um, so I started doing uh, skills coaching in the morning. So I the, the kids at Green Hills Primary have a stadium there, mm-hmm. and uh, I'd go there in the mornings and I'd coach them for an hour and charge them yeah. two bucks, whatever it may be. <laughs> and um, and then so from there, and I really enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. And um, I've, tried to, I've tried to be, uh, the, the professional things that I do for business, I've tried to always make sure that I enjoy what I do. Mm-hmm. And so uh, from that time when I was, uh, that's was probably 30 years ago uh, now, Max. Mm-hmm. Um, from that time, uh, we now have chase basketball. And we do, mm-hmm. uh, pre-COVID, we did just over 50,000 hours of kids wow. on court for the year. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that involves skills coaching. We have six academies mm-hmm. uh, at, at high schools, mostly around uh, Albert Park. Yeah, uh, and we do basketball camps. Uh, so I think we're the biggest. Um, I think we're the biggest in Melbourne, but mm-hmm. probably Victoria, Australia, uh, as privateers for the number mm-hmm. of hours that we coach kids. Yeah, it's a really the story I'm really proud of. You know, it started just me doing it out of Green Hills, my old primary mm-hmm. school, and now it's a business and I'm still doing the things I love. So I'm very lucky.
0: Uh, I also believe you're uh, the managing director at OzPack Basketball. Can you explain to me um, a bit about this company and um, what they do?
2: Yeah, well, good research as well, mate. <laughs> done your, done your you're going to be a star in this media game. <laughs> um, so. One of the um, so I've got, I developed a friendship with a guy called Sedale Three Jr.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, Sedale Three Jr. does similar things on a domestic level um, that I do with Chase. He's got a company called AUBD and, and yeah. again, he's done a lot of coaching and his dad's a famous basketball player in America.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, but what, what we realized is that we're doing a lot of, of the same things, um, but the infrastructure for basketball in Victoria, not many people know this. Uh, is mm-hmm. the best in the world. Yeah. And when I say structure, I also mean the ecosystem.
1: Mm-hmm. So
2: ultimately, when Lindsay Gaze, who we talked about, and Ken Watson, yeah. um, way back in 1930 or yeah. 1940 <laughs> or whatever it was, they had this vision to grow basketball. Mm-hmm. So part of their part of their modus operandi was to build stadiums. So in mm-hmm. Victoria, we have in excess of uh, 1,050 um, courts for community use. Yeah and that is and that is as good an infrastructure uh, anywhere in mm-hmm. the world, better than in America, yeah. better than in Europe. Um, and so Ozpack is a company that is dedicated to uh, promoting that fact and helping other countries and states to develop their basketball infrastructure and ecosystem. Mm-hmm. And um, it's a reasonably young company and it was uh, we were going to launch some projects pre-COVID. Yeah, um, But COVID, you, know, you might have heard of COVID, Yeah, pandemic, Max, but, uh, it's thrown a spatter in the works. But we are very much uh, focused on getting that going um, over the next couple of years.
0: Speaking of uh, events and things like that, your founder, founder um, of balanced Dementia, you know, a fantastic event um, and program for attendees, carers, um, and the network support um, of, you know, people living with dementia. Where did the um, idea or inspiration um, for this amazing event come from?
2: Uh, well my, my mother-in-law Faye Griffiths, mm-hmm. um, she passed away earlier this year mm-hmm. um, but she lived with dementia for about 10 years, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and I saw, I saw how what a wonderful um, wonderful man uh, my wife my father-in-law Brian was and how he looked mm-hmm. after her. Uh, she eventually ended up in a home um, mm-hmm. and uh, she was looked after as well as she could be looked after. Yeah, um, it's a horrible disease, Max. It's a really okay. horrible disease. And most people that I spoke to in the lead up to the bounce dementia event um, had been touched by dementia or Alzheimer's in some way. So yeah. it's a very, very common disease and illness that is quite uh, horrific. And mm-hmm. um, so I used influence and contacts in basketball
1: mm-hmm. and
2: uh, at MSAC to yeah. run an event which involved, you know, people grabbing a basketball and dribbling it around for mm-hmm. over to the the athletic stadium and back. And uh, mm-hmm. it's something that we will re, re-engage with soon, but uh, once again, COVID has smacked that on the head for a while. But yeah. uh, so it's a very sad disease and there's heaps of diseases and illnesses that uh, a lot of people do good things for, and I was very proud that that was such a success and um, uh, helped awareness and helped raise some money for for the people doing good work at, um, at uh, Dementia Australia.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, sorry to push you straight from a sort of, you know, sad sort of side, um, but we've got to open up a bit of a brighter side. Now, I've got to ask you, your son, Jack Purchase, played in the NBL um, for Melbourne United, most recently um, the Adelaide 36 is filling. Um, the void and a hole left by Isaac Humphreys last season, and now he's with the Perth Wildcats um, for NBL 22. Um, how do you feel when you see your son uh, in the NBL like you were doing great things?
2: Yeah, it's very proud. Very proud of him, actually, uh, Max. <clears throat> and um, it's a it's in Jack's career, and he's 26 now, and it's like I said, been signed up with Perth. Yeah, um, and it's been a it's been a real, um, and, I, and you, you cut out there a bit, so I'll try to do my best to try and. Match that <laughs> together, but, so excuse me if I don't sound like I'm answering it as you ask, but um, yeah, so it's been a real, um, it's been a real. I'm, I'm proud of his resistance mm-hmm. and his perseverance in what he's doing. So he spent five years in the in the US uh, at college. Mm-hmm. Uh, come back and has bounced around from Melbourne United to. Yeah. Adelaide. He played for the Hobart, um, Hobart Chargers in mm-hmm. NBA one. Played a bit for the Tigers as well. Mm-hmm. And um, it's been it's been difficult. You know, he's really had to persevere, work hard, yeah. and to end up at Perth, which is arguably yeah. the best club in the in the country. Mm. Uh, and I couldn't be happier for him. He loves living in Perth. Yeah. Uh, he seems to have found himself a, a girlfriend. Uh, from <laughs> Adelaide when he was in Adelaide. So his life seems to be on track. Mm-hmm. And um, as a dad, you know, you want your kids to have to be engaged mm-hmm. in life and to be, you know, following their dreams to a degree. So mm-hmm. I just want to see how he's going to go this year. He can certainly shoot the ball. Yeah. And he can certainly shoot the ball. So we'll, uh, we'll hopefully see him get more minutes this year than he has in the past few years.
0: Um, do you have a favourite current NBL team to um, support right now?
2: Do I, have a, do I have a current team, favourite team to support? Yeah,
0: the Wildcats.
1: Have,
2: Max, Max I'm, going to, I'm going to ask you a question, right? Yeah. If your dad, if you were playing for the Perth Wildcats <laughs> and you asked that question to your dad, what would he say?
0: He'd have to say the Wildcats. <laughs>
2: yeah, exactly. So I'm, I'm going to say the same thing. Certainly yeah. the Perth Wildcats. Is, uh, yeah. Wherever my son's playing, I'll follow them.
0: Yeah. Who do you think is going to win the NBL 22 championship? Because, I mean, there's... Only like a fine line between every team in the competition. Every team's got all of their superstars. You know, it's very tight league, um, yeah. as it was last season.
1: Absolutely.
2: Well, I'd like to think I know that Perth will be in the in the mix, um, yeah. but I think, I think you're spot on. I think this is a very tight run um, year. Uh, yeah. The both Mel- both Melbourne teams and Sydney are going to yeah. be strong. I'm really inter- interested to see how C.J. Bruton um, goes over in Adelaide. Yeah. I think they'll be a strong team. And, of course, mm-hmm. Illawarra, any team is coached by Brian Gorgian. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so there's six teams there that could um, could certainly win it. And um, we'll just have to wait and see because it's – I actually mm-hmm. think the fact that it's close is a good thing because it yeah. Makes, yeah. makes every game quite important.
0: Uh, you mentioned warura giddy's a close friend of yours um or sort of a friend of yours we've had him on the podcast also what's it like to know him and know josh and see josh excelling um in the nBA I almost had a triple double the other day
2: yeah he's, isn't it great i like yeah. um, well it was has being you know like i wouldn't say we're best friends but we always yeah. each other and know each other and he's um, uh, he's one of he's one of my favorite people that i've met through basketball yeah and i would say he would He's probably the most popular guy in the NBL. Whenever we yeah. went on the road, he would seem to have a friend in every city around the country, and one of the, one of his mates would show yeah. up. And, so he's incredibly popular. And the thing that I like about Josh is his attitude. He's always mm-hmm. positive. He, he's having a go. He plays the game the right way. But mm. he, he represents he represents himself and, yeah. and his mum and dad. Um, extraordinarily well. His mum was a very good basketballer, also. I think we sometimes focus on was, but yeah. he, he was a great player, also. And mm-hmm. uh, but the way that he represents, himself, he's humble, mm-hmm. um, he's real, he's grateful. And mm-hmm. I think um, apart from what he does on court, I think the way he represents himself, you know, in the media, um, yeah. is exactly how a player would want you know, one of our our guys to represent themselves. So he's ticking all the right boxes. I look forward to watching him play for another 10 or 15 years.
0: Yeah. You know, I can't get over the fact of when you watch the highlights and you watch the games um, of OKC and him in it starting, um, how easily, like he did it in the NBL too, and now we're seeing him do it in the NBA. He just moves to the ring and he can just blow by anyone and find a way to score no matter what.
2: Yeah, unbelievable, isn't it? Although yeah. I would say I don't think the defense in the NBA is so great these days. Yeah, <laughs> they, they <seem laughs> it's
0: just, shoot a, it's just shoot a three ball and see what you can do.
2: Yeah, that's right, hundred percent. Doesn't seem like it's the biggest priority, but, uh, but yeah. every every challenge Josh has had, he's excelled at. And yeah. so, so, he's an amazing, uh, amazing you know kid or man, and and mm-hmm. um, you know, I just couldn't be happier for him. In all honesty, Max, he's. Mm-hmm is a a breath of fresh air
0: yeah Uh, what would be your best advice to anyone who wants to be a professional and successful basketballer like yourself
2: you're frozen you're frozen again you're sorry you froze again there max
0: what would be uh your best advice to anyone who wants to be professional and successful basketballer like yourself
2: Okay, well, thanks for calling me successful. That's nice of you. <laughs> uh, the The advice I would give the advice I would give is um, is work ethic is uh, very important, mm-hmm. um, and, and just love what you do.
1: Yeah,
2: and um, surround yourself with good people, mm-hmm. uh, whether that's coaches, whether that's um, whether that's teammates. Um mm-hmm. and just keep on trying your best because you never know when your opportunity is gonna is gonna come by. Um and mm-hmm. my son's a reasonable example of that. Yeah. In that, you know, he could have given up. Mm-hmm. Um it's taken him two and a half years to get to Perth.
1: Mm-hmm. And
2: you never know when your opportunity and who's watching, uh, mm-hmm. uh, who, who's watching you at whatever time. But just keep on doing your best and um, and put your
0: Thanks, Nigel, for coming on the podcast today and putting aside, you know, fifty minutes to an hour or so of your time um, to come on and have a chat. It's been an honour and a privilege to have you on. Max,
2: you're an outstanding young man. I look forward to seeing where you're going to go, and, I'm, uh, and I, I'll, uh, I'll watch as you you on ESPN or Fox <laughs> or whatever
1: it's going to be.
2: But you're yeah. an outstanding young man, and um, I'm sure your family's very proud of you. And keep on doing what you're doing, Max Becker.
0: Thanks for the compliment and feedback, Nigel. It's uh, very much appreciated. Thank you. Stay tuned, everyone, for some more Sporting Max.
2: Thanks for listening to this episode of Sporting Max. Check us out on iTunes, Spotify or YouTube and be sure to follow our socials. This episode is brought to you by The Missing Link. This is The Voice of Melbourne and we'll see you back here real soon for another episode of Sporting Max.